you want to feel accomplished by the end of the day if you tackled, you know, 12 out of 15 different tasks. That's not the way you, that's not how you scale. That's, that's distractions. It's noise. It's background noise. And it's going to, it's going, there's a direct line between how busy you are, you are doing busy work and your income. Let's get ready to scale. Before I get started, just by, you know, I want to see some hands. Who among all of you guys that are sitting here is a self-made millionaire? Yeah, it's, it's a bold question. Who wants to become a self-made millionaire? Awesome. Awesome. That's what I'm going to teach you today. Um, it's going to be a no-fluff, um, you know, conversation. I'm going to show you what I was doing because I started from nothing the tools that I was using, how I started with absolutely zero. I actually started with a, a huge student loan. Um, there's no rah-rah. It's literally what I have been doing all these years to get to where I am today. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, as I mentioned, I'm uh, the founder and CEO of Blue Lake Capital. Um, just a word kind of about a sentence about what we do. We are a private equity real estate firm. Um, and we buy multifamily assets with investors, so um, doctors, uh, attorneys, tech executives, business owners like yourselves. Um, and so and that's what we do. Um, we have about, we've done uh, to date about a, a billion in transactions. And um, we have an office in LA and an office in Boston. Um, but like I've mentioned before, I started from nothing. Um, I actually grew up very, very poor, um, and when I was 11 years old, I had to clean homes and buildings to help my parents to, you know, so they can get by, um, and money was very tight. We were given donations, food, um, you know, clothing, and I've realized from a very young age that, you know, I understood where I was in the, in the food chain, pretty low, and you know how kids can be. Uh, very honest and, and brutal, uh, and they made sure that I understand that I was, you know, the poorest of, of them all. Um, and there were two ways to take it, either to feel like I was, you know, feel like the, a victim or and feel sorry for myself or to say, you know what, that's fine, but I'm going to do whatever I can to not be in this position. Um, and that's what I chose, you know, to do. Um, and so, uh, you know, just... Last month, my company, with my amazing team, we made it into the Inc. 5000 as uh, one of the fastest private equity, uh, thank you, fastest growing uh, private equity firms in the US. I think we're number 153 out of the 5,000. Um, and, and we have 10 people. That's it. I've looked at the list. There are you know, groups with 60, 70, 200 people. That's what I'm going to show you. You don't need a huge amount of money to scale. You don't need a huge, you know, you don't need a huge staff to scale. Um, and that's what I'm going to teach you today. Um, you know, I worked really hard to get education. I was a real estate attorney, turned uh, property manager, and I worked really, really hard to get into MIT, um, which is what, why I moved to the States in 2014. And if you want to be humbled, go sit down in one of those classes and you feel like the dumbest person in the room. 
Um, and when I was there, I learned how to start businesses, how to raise money from investors, and how to scale businesses. And that, with that knowledge, that's, you know, that's what I took with me. So when I graduated, I was uh, June of 2014, I had no connections because I just moved there a couple of years ago. I had no money. In fact, I, I think it was $195,000 in student loan um, that I've accumulated over two years. But I had this fire in me, and I knew that I had to be successful. And so when I started Blue Lake, um, it's, it's a real estate firm. It's not a tech company, but I used the knowledge and the resources that I you know, had access to from MIT to start this business and to treat it like a startup from day one. And this is what I'm going to teach you today. I'm going to teach you how to scale your operations. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, how many employees you have. Maybe you're a solopreneur, and that's totally fine, um, but you can't really scale. And, but that's the knowledge that I'm going to share with you is how I did it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what's startup and what I mean by scaling, because um, not everyone here has what, you know, they, your company, you may not see it as a startup. Um, I'm going to talk about the blueprint to scaling your business, which is what I did with my business, and then the obstacles to scaling, which some of them I've personally faced, and if not, I know some of my um, uh, colleagues in the industry faced, and then open it to uh, Q&A. So when I'm talking about a startup, like I've mentioned, it's not necessarily a tech company. You can be an influencer, you can sell you know, T-shirts, you can be... Um, an investment advi advisor, it doesn't matter what you do, as long as it's a company that you've built, that's what I at least, when I say a startup, that's what, I, that's what I'm talking about. When it comes to scaling, what I mean by scaling is accelerating your growth, whether it's your income, the staff, you know, market share, whatever you, you know, decide that is your goal, that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking, you know, about scaling. Um, I want to dive straight into it. Uh, and you know, when it comes to blueprint to scaling, there's a few things. And you don't have to take notes if you want, by the way, uh, to have access to um, this presentation. You can email us, and you'll, I'll share the email at the end. Um, and we can send it. So sometimes you know, I know when I'm taking notes, I'm kind of missing you know, about 20% of what is, uh, is being said. And I wish, I wish I had someone to teach me all of this when I started. I could have scaled a lot faster. I never looked back, by the way. I never said could have, should have, would have. But it definitely, you know, could have helped me uh, scale faster. So the first thing is reverse engineering. And I know it's kind of a fancy MIT, um, uh, you know, phrase. But what I mean by that, it's start with the end goal. In 10 years... Where do you want to be? Do you want to have two million in income? Do you have, want to have 10 million, half a million? Whatever that number is, start there. And then reverse you know, from that number. And that's what I did. I, I opened an Excel spreadsheet, and God knows I'm not good with Excel spreadsheets. And I said, OK, in five years, in 10 years, actually, started in 10 years, I want to have a billion worth of assets. OK, what do I need to do every year? And it, doesn't have to be um, a straight line calculation, but let's just to make it easy. Okay, so every year I need to buy X amount of assets all the way to year one. So let's say in year one I need to buy, I'm just throwing a number out there, 10 million worth of assets. Okay, what do I need to do? Uh, what, what do I need to do to 
to actually buy 10 million of assets. And if you want to, you know, have, let's say if you want to make 2 million in 10 years, and you want to make half a million or, or a quarter million this year, how many customers do you need to bring to make that profit? You got, it's a very simple calculation, but you have to have the end goal in mind. And from there, you can start reverse engineering and say, okay, in order to make this much this year, I need X amount of customers. Okay, how do I get to that number? Who do I need by my side? And that's really helpful for you to get, you know, start and understand where you're headed. Um, that leads me to the second one, org chart um, hiring. I created an org chart and I said, okay, I have acquisitions, I have asset management, and I have capital raise. Because somebody needs to buy the assets, somebody needs to manage it, and somebody needs to talk to investors and get you know, funds. What, am I, what do I want to do? And what do I do with the other buckets that I don't know how to do or I'm not good at or I don't want to do? And I always say you can hire or partner. So meeting other you know, people like you in those events, that's a great way of getting to know one another and potentially partnering up. If not, you can hire people that could be very cheap on Upwork and other, and that's what I did at first. I had, um, I forget how much I paid, it wasn't much, um, but I actually uh, hired a, an assistant, I think it was on Upwork, uh, just to help me schedule meetings um, and, and kind of do admin tasks that I just didn't have time to do. But I needed that in order to get to that 10-year goal. That's what I needed to do. Then you establish processes. Okay, in order for me to get 10 more customers, 10 more clients every month, what do I need, what processes do I need to have in place? Without that, you, you don't have a scalable company. You may get lucky, and at some point you're gonna hit a wall. Because companies need to have processes in order to thrive, in order to scale. That's, there's no such thing as a company without any, you know, when things just happen and it's great and you're gonna make money, and at some point, and you might be happy with how much you're making, but once you want to move to the next step, you're going to get stuck. And then starting to build processes after everyone got used to like doing things, you know, kind of as they happen, you know, face with whatever is happening, it's going to be a lot harder. So um, Airtable is one of the freemium versions out there that it's, it's Excel-based that we're using to create some processes and tag team members so when we start something, everyone knows what they need to do. Just start a very simple process that everyone knows what they're doing. Um, create a business plan, I'm going to talk about that also, uh, but a business plan is, is crucial if you want to raise money from someone to invest in your business, and there's a lot of folks out there that can do that. Um, and then set goals. Got to say, okay, if my goal is to, get a mil to make a million dollars or half a million dollars this year, this is the main goal. We call it OKRs, objectives and key results. The objective is to make a million. Okay. Now, what do I need to do to get there? So the, the O in the objective is the what I'm trying to get, and the KRs, the key result is how am I going to get there? And there's a lot of uh, free um, uh, and paid softwares out there that can help you manage the OKRs. So if you have a business and it's a lifestyle, lifestyle business and you don't want to you know, take it to the next level, that's one thing. I'm sure that if you're sitting here, actually here because you want to scale, this is what it takes. It's, it's freaking hard, I'm not gonna lie to you. It takes time, but if you're dedicated and if you go through these, you know, steps, you will succeed. Uh, I cannot guarantee that you will, but you're more likely to succeed than not. 
and act. Guys, just do it. Don't sit there and wait until you have the best, you know, the absolute best business plan or you have, um, you know, the best processes. Just start. Just start and you can tweak and adjust it. What really separates people, and, and I've been studying this because I'm fascinated by people who are successful because I'm always, I always want to learn from them. What separates them from those who are not successful is that those who are successful are, they're comfortable with doing things that are not perfect or without having 100% knowledge about what they're doing and they figure things out. When I bought one of our um, assets, uh, it was an $80 million deal, um, almost 500 units in Atlanta. It was June of 2020. No one was freaking buying real estate. Everyone was freaking out. And I said, you know what? I'm going to find out. I'm going to find a way. We needed $22 million. I said, I'm going to find a way to do it. And, and we did it. And honestly, I didn't know if we could. Before that, the biggest raise was $8.25 million, which is also a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't 22, and it wasn't when the sky was falling. Everyone was. I remember some investors told me, are you out of your mind? In, I mean, tenants are going to you know, escape in the middle of the, the, the night and not pay you rent. How are you going to collect rent? And said, we're going to figure it out. So that's really what's separating people who are successful and those who are not. They're willing to take risk, and they're okay with it, and they're okay with operating when they don't know what the end result is going to be. And they're going to figure things out. Obstacles to scaling. There's a lot of those, but I try to stick to the main ones. Lack of money. So you probably sit here and you say, well, all of that is, is nice, it's, it's good, um, but I don't have money to hire more people. I can barely you know, pay the one or two uh, 1099 employees that I have, or I don't even have money to start um, you know, paying those people. And I was in the same position. I had a huge student loan. Um, and I didn't, I didn't have money. Um, so I actually borrowed, I think it was $3,000, um, and I paid it back eventually. But I had to pay the people that I hired because I could not scale on my own. And so you can definitely raise money. And we're not talking, it doesn't have to be millions of dollars. Sometimes even five or 10 or 20,000 is what can help you get people that you can hire or invest in. Um, softwares that can actually accelerate your growth. You can raise money from them. Doesn't matter what kind of business you do. There's always going to be someone who's going to say, you know what, I'm going to invest $10,000. And of course, they would want a piece of, of the profit. That's, that's what I found. That's how the world works, right? And we're going to talk about the business plan and how you create it. But that's what I did. If I didn't do that, I would not have been here today because I would still try and, and do it all. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sun Belt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital. Be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. So you got to take, you know, 
some amount of risk and feel you know, confident to actually reach out to the people that you know and say, hey, I'm looking to expand. You don't have to be you know, freaking Apple to raise money you know, from the public and be on, uh, you know, on the stock exchange in order to grow. And even they still do it. So raise money from you know, family and friends after you understand how much money you need, of course. That's one way. The other way is line of credit. Talk to your bank. Tell them, hey, I have a business. I need a line of credit. And it's great because you, many times you don't, you don't pay for the money you're not using. And it's like a credit line that you can you know, draw from. Someone says no, go to the next one and the next one. Don't give up. I still have some banks that say no because they don't understand that my business is a little bit more complicated. And they still say no, so I just went to the bank who was willing to do it. And you know, it's, it's been working great. So line of credit, that's a way of uh, borrowing money and then returning as it's basically you can return the money and then borrow again. So that's a way to have access to capital so you can grow. The other way, and I've seen it a lot when I was um, at MIT, participate in national competitions. If you have some, and it's maybe not suitable for everyone, um, but there are a lot of competitions around the U.S. where um, you can actually participate and get some grants. Um, if you email us, you have the email in the bottom. We can send you the full list um, of those uh, competitions around you know, the U.S. Um, I wouldn't put too much emphasis or, or spend too much time on it. You still have your own business. But that's a good use of money to pay someone that you hire online to do that for you, to submit it. You can get you know, grants. You know, I was part of a startup um, when I was at MIT. I don't remember how many millions. We, we, I mean, we got a lot of money through that. Um, but there are co competitions out there for small businesses. So that also, you know, look into that. Hiring the wrong people. Uh, that's probably that's a topic for an entire conversation. Um, and, I, and even if you're sitting here listening and you're not in a place where you hire anyone, you're solopreneurs, please, please listen to this because there will be a time that you're going to be in a position that you're hiring people. Don't make the mistakes that I did. Hiring the cheapest people cost me a lot more, a lot more money than hiring someone good um, that it just cost you know, a little bit more. We use the WHO method. And I've met the owner, um, the, the author of this book, and, and the, the, the person who actually invented it. Um, when I was at school, um, he came and gave us the books, and he talked about that. It's wonderful. If you go to, uh, and I don't have any affiliation with any of the tools that I'm you know, presenting here. I don't make money from it. This is just simply what is, what is working for me. Um, this, um, it, also, if you Google the WHO book, the WHO method, it's essentially a way to create a scorecard where you uh, understand who you're looking for, what traits they need to have, what qualifications, and then uh, you, know, you rate them. It's very helpful, and they tell you what questions to ask at what stage when you're intervie interviewing uh, someone. So I highly, highly recommend um, you do that. And then be slow to hire and quick to fire. The people you feel, you know, you feel, I know, I kind of like them, and I feel bad, you know, letting them go. These people are going to cost you so much money. I can tell you that the wrong people that I hired cost me millions of dollars, literally millions of dollars. Um, they demoralize the team because they're the wrong fit, especially, you know, probably most of us or all of us have a very small team. I don't have 200 people in a company. 
it, every person counts, and it has to be the right fit. So our hiring process is long because we want to make sure that we hire the right person. And even then, it doesn't work 100% of the time. Um, but it's, it's much better than without that method. Not pivoting on time. Um, I make sure that I receive emails from my competitors so I see what they do. I see what offerings they make, how they communicate um, with their customers slash investors. Um, always, always know what your competitors are doing. You, you're not you know, being left behind. Um, that's super, super important. I'm not talking about pivoting you know, as in just moving to a, a different line of business or a different product altogether, which you definitely can do. But make sure you're aware of what your competitors are doing because they can also give you some ideas about how you can tweak your product. Um, never marry any idea or strategy. Never, ever. So when I started buying, I was buying older, uh, they were called classy, older buildings, real in the 80s, kind of a bit run down that we renovated. And everyone in the industry was talking about class C, class C. And then I realized that actually class B, the slightly nicer assets in the 90s and early 2000s are better product because they have a better tenant base that are actually paying. And I don't need to chase them as much to pay their rent. And I, I had actually uh, some, some uh, attitude from this older gentleman that said, well, you don't know what you're talking about in so many words, class C, you know, I, I, I'm not going to touch anything, you know, class B is not, not where you want to go. And I said, no, this is where the money is. And right now the class C, class C assets are struggling big time, big time, because their tenants are on the lower end of income. They, they're, they're struggling. So I wasn't married to the idea of sticking to class C. And I had to educate my investors and tell them, hey, you will actually want to be in class B, and let me tell you why. And it wasn't that easy. But never married to a certain idea or strategy, because that's, that's not going to help you scale, that's for sure. We all know Kodak, right? Where are they today? You got to pivot pretty quickly. Same thing, be ready to pivot. Uh, founders burnout, man. Um, there's a lot of busy work, and a lot of the a lot of you that are sitting here today are probably type A. Per they have type A personality. Um, they want to. You want to feel accomplished by the end of the day if you tackled, you know, 12 out of 15 different tasks. That's not the way you. That's not how you scale. That's, that's distractions, it's noise, it's background noise, and it's going to, it's going, there's a direct line between how busy you are, you are doing busy work and your income. The less busy work you have, the wealthier you're going to be at, period, period. And so it makes you feel good by the end of the day, it makes you feel accomplished, but what did you really do? How did you move the needle? So take all the things that you can hire someone else to do it and train them. Let them do it. Don't waste your time on busy work. That's gonna, that's an, in my opinion, the number one reason for founders burnout. Um, uh, what I'm using that helps me is uh, kind of a, have a document that is called continue, stop, and start. So um, continue or keep, I write all the things I want to keep working on. 
So working on strategy, for instance, um, hiring people, things that I can't really delegate to other people and what I want to stop doing. So I want to, I want, at some point, I wanted to stop uh, reviewing financials and handling mon money matters. So we hired a CPA to make distributions to investors. So I, at the beginning, I used to get into the, you know, log into the computer, bank account, and actually send, you know, thousands of dollars every month to each investors, each investor. I want to stop doing it. Someone can easily do it. That's not, I'm not adding any value to my business by spending hours every month or every week, you know, calculating and, and, and doing all that. And I wasn't very good at it also. So, uh, and what I want to start doing, I want to start whatever, X, Y, Z. So once you have that list, it's clear to you, okay, I need, I want to focus on this and I want to start doing that, but I want to stop doing all these things. And that's how you scale. And you'll see there should be a correlation between how important the tasks you know, are. All the busy work should be in the middle. You've got to get rid of it and fight that urge in you to keep doing the busy work to feel good that you're making progress. You did not make any progress. Also, um, another obstacle is that you don't have a real plan. It has to be clear, if not for the 10 years, at least for the five next years, what you must build. And you got to communicate it. Even if it, you have one employee, you got to communicate it to that employee and, and to the team. You got to understand why you're doing this. Do you want to build wealth for your family? Do you want to create something to help people? Why are you doing this? When I started, I knew that I'm going to be the only one in my family that can take, financially can take care of my parents. They were struggling to buy medicine, and that was wrong, and I had to help them. That was, that was my why. And knowing that really helped me and actually prevented burnout because I said, I have, you know, I have a goal. I have, I have a reason to get up and do this because things are, are hard. And if, if it, you know, if it were easy, then everyone would have done it. There's a reason why this room is not packed with people that are, you know, starting and trying to scale businesses because it's freaking hard. But if you know your why, that's going to really help you and help the team also keep them motivated and engaged. And where you're going, that ties back to what I said earlier about reverse engineering. What's the end goal? Where do I want to be in, in five or ten years? And how am I going to get there? What people I need to to hire, what systems I need to have in place, what do I need to do? And you cannot scale without a plan. Things that just don't just happen. They can happen to a certain point. It's like winning the lottery. You can get lucky. You're going to lose the money if you don't have some financial education, if you don't know what to do with it and how to grow it. It's not, if you want a million dollars in the lottery, it's not just going to keep growing if you're just going to do nothing. You're probably going to lose at least some of it. Um, creating a business plan, I'm not going to go over all of it because it's a lot, so I'm happy to send you the presentation. It's, it's good for two reasons, and it's going to take some time, sometimes even a few months until you finalize it all. If you want to raise some money from family and friends, having the business plan to show them, to show them is going to be really good. Um, 
The second part of it is even if you don't, if you're self-sufficient and, and you know you have positive cash flow, you don't need to raise money. It's good for you to understand where you're going. It's going to help you develop some ideas and structure, so it's not just happens. You know, you know things just happen, and you know you don't leave anything um, you know to chance. Executive summary. It's kind of, okay, this is the summary, this is the business, that's where we're going to some uh, very basic financial pro, you know, projections. And if you go, if you Google, there's a lot of templates for um, you know, uh, business, a business plan. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. What's the description of the business? You know, what's the problem? What are you trying to solve? Um, it should be very clear. Um, so I'm, I'm an angel investor, and I'm, I also own a minority stake in a couple of VCs. And when we're looking at businesses, to, at, at startups to invest in, I'm always looking at the pain point. What are they trying to solve? If it's not a real pain point, then they're not going to have customers. They're not going to have people who will be willing to pay for the service or the product that they're offering. And sometimes it's a... Um, an idea or, or a pain point that lives in the founder's you know, head, that's not real. That's one of the things I'm, I'm looking at. So make sure that you clearly state what, the, what is the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, and then market research, okay, what companies are out there that are trying to solve it? Where do my company, you know, how does it fit in that world? What are we offering that other you know, companies do not offer. Um, you know, talk about some trends, opportunities. SWOT analysis is always good. So what are the strengths of your business, the weaknesses, and how you're going to tackle it? Opportunities and the threats. Usually investors like to see that. And even, again, if you don't want to invest, it's important for you to understand where you stand and how are you different than competitors. So I, I'm in an industry where there's tons of other companies that raise money from investors. So how are we going to be different? That's going to be very, that's a very, very hard question to answer. Also, of course, discuss, okay, this is what I'm offering. This is the product. This is the service that I'm offering. And what's the marketing and sales strategy? And again, I'm not going to get into it a lot, but you really need to get to nail this in order to scale. Who is managing the company? You know, what the team look, looks like, even if it's a very, very small team. And then what's the operations plan? You know, where are you sitting? What's the step-by-step -step process workflow? This, it's a very, very detailed. I mean, it can be five pages. It can be 20 pages. Really depends on you. If you want to scale, this is a mandatory step. And it's a, it's a pain, but you have to go through it. And of course, financial projections. Um, it could be as elaborated or as simple as you want, but you need to understand how much money do you think you can make every year? What's going to be the cost of, uh, you know, the cost of hiring people, the cost of marketing expenses, um, and uh, income? Got to be uh, in that in the financial projections. And then, if you're asking for someone to invest in your company, what are you, how much money do you need? How are you going to use it? And what are you giving them in return? Is it 5% equity? Is it 20%? Or is it a hard, you know, are you looking for a loan 
I think right now hard money is what? I don't even know. 12%? 15%? Pretty high. There you go. And if you can afford it, actually, that's cheaper than any equity that you're ever going to give if, you, if, you know, obviously you're going to succeed. So I, I actually haven't given um, even 1% uh, of my business to anyone because I know where I'm going and I know, you know, and it's when, thank God for that because it would have been very, very expensive. Um, so I actually loaned the money and I told myself, <laughs> If investors, if I'm asking investors to evaluate my abilities and write me a check to one of my investments, then I need to have enough confidence in my abilities to, to build this thing. And so I just, I took, you know, a loan. I think it was a few loans, not, real, not huge loans. And that was it. Risk analysis. What are the risks? when you're building your business from competition, if it's, um, if it's a risk from a uh, regulation standpoint, and how you're going to overcome it. So investors can see that you're actually, they actually know what you're talking about, that you don't live in La La Land and just think, you know, I'm going to make money, everything's going to be fine. Talk about the bad, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's what's going to make money there. Because anyone who's in a position to invest in your company, they know there's bad in any, you know, a negative aspect of any business. If you're just going to show everything pink, in, through pink glasses, they're not going to buy it. That's not how they made their money. So don't be afraid to show everything as, you know, bulletproof. This is perfect. There are risks involved in any investment. Just show them that and what you're doing to mitigate that risk so they feel comfortable with that. Um, conclusion, I mean, this is all, again, I'm happy to share it with you. There's no need for me to sit here and uh, read it. And um, I think we, I think that's the end. How much time do we have left for the Q&A? Well, almost. I think probably we have 10 more minutes. Um, so that's, that's what I did. What you see here, that's what I did. I essentially created a process where I was able to scale with a very small team until today, or a very small team. You don't need 200 people to scale. I knew where I was going to. I knew how much money I needed. And this way, I didn't leave it to chance, so whatever is going to happen. And, and if, if you're there, that's fine. It's just not who I am. It's not my personality. These are my, not my desires. Because for me, as you can see here, um, I have an 18-month-old baby. If I'm not home and I'm here speaking with you or I'm in the office working, it's got to be freaking worth it. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, so yeah, and happy to send the, um, this presentation, info at bluelake-capital.com. And with that, I want to open it to uh, questions. Yes? The hardest obstacle I've ever came. Um, I would say introduce um, my product, which was my, my service slash, it's a half service, half product, right? It's real estate, but it's actually investing service. Um, when I just started, because I didn't have, I was a real estate attorney, but I didn't manage assets. So I had to go over that, um, uh, that hurdle uh, and essentially make people comfortable to invest with me 
even though I did not have experience. So, and I used social media to establish that, um, you know, my reputation, just sharing information, um, and, and this, it goes, we just had a conversation, and Ryan and I here earlier, um, if you want to attract people, and you want to attract, um, you know, paying customers, the best sale is the no sale. Give them value. I started by writing a blog, then I started a podcast, um, and I shared uh, information, then I was standing on stages uh, pretty quickly and sharing information, and investors came to me after they gained, you know, knowledge from the information I put out there. So just going through that, the first deal is always the hardest. Um, that, I, that, that was the biggest obstacle, and it took, and it, you know, it took time. Yeah. 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 Excellent question. And, and everyone heard that question. All right. Perfect. Um, it it ties back to the other question that I uh, raised earlier. How are we going to be different? So it's not just about the numbers. And I realize that people invest with people, not with deals. Um, they do business not, you know, not with portfolios or numbers. They do business with people. So what I did, just like the picture here, I exposed myself. I told my story. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of where I came from. In fact, I'm, I'm proud of it. And um, I talked in a way that most people in real estate do not talk. Um, you know, exposing where they came from, being very personable. Uh, it doesn't matter to me if someone invests $50,000 or $5 million. I treat all of them the same. And we get that feedback from investors um, that they don't get this uh, treatment from other, you know, firms. Um, that's how I found, you know, my story and the company's story. Um, you know, we're very diverse. We're, you know, we're, and we love everyone from everywhere. It doesn't matter. So that resonates with investors. And that's a bit more than, you know, just look at the numbers. Another thing we did, we uh, were a bit creative. Um, and we gave people options. We said, you can invest in class A or class B. So choose. And class A is, let's say, 6% cash on cash. Uh, sorry, 8% cash on cash. But you don't, do not participate on, you don't get a piece at the end from the sale where we're selling and everyone is sharing, you know, we're sharing the profit. Or class B, where you get slightly less, let's say 6% or 7%. But well, you do get a nice check at the end. So overall, returns should be higher. So we give people the option. Instead of people, and you got to, I think this is also uh, relevant to everyone, regardless of what product you have. People would always, customers, are, they usually like to have two options. And if you have one product or one service, they're going to say, OK, it's yes or no. Instead of that, I said, well, let me show them two options. So instead of saying invest with Ellie or not, I turned it into invest with Ellie in class A or invest with Ellie in class B. So I turned the, the two options to, you know, either, you know, invest with me or invest with me. Um, so that's how we're trying also, um, you know, to be different by just connecting with people. We don't see investors as numbers. And if someone is a bit concerned, I tell them, don't invest. It's best if you think about it a bit more and come back when you're ready rather than just do it you know, now, because I'm looking at the long, you know, 
the long term, not about how much you know we're making right now. Yes. Yeah. But um, how did you arrive at your business name? Because I always hear that your business name is, you know, that that weighs a lot into you know, your character and whatnot. Yeah. Um, Blue Lake, I wanted to, I was trying to think of a name that is calming, that is um, showing something, you know, ha, you know, has some positive connotation. Um, and I just came up with, with Blue Lake. You know, it's it's a lake is something that is is part of nature. It's it's calm. It's beautiful. Everyone loves lakes, and it's pretty stable. And that's what I wanted to give investors that feeling. Um, but it took me a few weeks. I tried Google and all kinds of you know, give me a few, and there wasn't Bard or ChatGPT at that point. Give me you know, <laughs> top twenty names for a new business, and they all sucked. So I, I had to go back and, and but that's how I came you know, came up with the business name. Last question. Yes, over there. Uh, for your first raise, um, did you um, only allow accredited investors, or were you just looking for, like, friends and family? Was, like, your, for your first one, were they, like, um, friends and family, or was it accredited from the beginning? Yeah, the question is, uh, first investment, accredited investors only, or friends and family? Uh, my family was in no position to invest. Um, I had one person that I knew that invested with me. Um, and uh, it was actually my father-in-law that I went to. And I, back in the day, I was, um, I was just dating his son. And I said, listen, Mark, I'm starting this company, and this is what I'm going to do. And he looked, he looked at me, and he said, well, why would I invest with you? I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm investing with you know, so-and-so, and they've been in business for 30, 40 years. Um, and I looked at him and I said, you know, I'm going to marry your son one day and I'm going to have two kids. One is going to run your business. The other one's going to run mine. It's going to happen with or without you. Do you want in? And uh, he, not right away. He wasn't impressed. He was more like shocked. Um, but the next day he came down and, uh, you know, from, from his room and he said, okay, I'm in. So that, he was my first investor. That was quarter million. Um, and... It, he was one of the smallest in that in that raise. Yeah, I had I had bigger investors. Um, in, but um, that was the first one, and it was 506B, meaning uh, accredited and not accredited. Um, and then as I scaled, I said, you know what? I want to go out there and and um, use social media to promote it exactly to 506C because you can't do it to 506B. Um, and I wanted to play it on the safer side. And it was again, it was again a risk. Can, can I do it? Because I had a bunch of uh, unaccredited investors that I would not be able to bring into it. Again, it's kind of a, you know, a time and place where you have to make a decision and um, take a risk. Yeah, do power succeed. All right, guys, uh, that was it. Uh, I hope that you know um, my talk gave someone, you know, gave you some encouragement, information, uh, you know, knowledge that you got something out of it. That's it. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.